Hey, man. How are you, Eddie? Hey, Mitchell. How are you? Ladies and gentlemen, Mitchell Stewart. Hey. Welcome to Ham Radio. Thank you. Uh, Mitchell Stewart, the director of, of course, Worst of First. The uh, Let me get the exact title. I want to make sure. The Worst of First, the true story of Z100 New York. Excellent documentary. Yes. Uh, a couple of us have already watched it. I've watched it three times. And, by the way, I paid for it. So, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you're welcome. It. Even though you, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. By the way, oh, absolutely. Thank you for being on. Um, of course, like I had, I, even though I got it for free, I paid for it. So you can put some money towards Elvis Duran and everybody else, so they can get their money. Um, there you go. There you go. Uh, so the, the, they will appreciate. They it. will. They want to. They just want to be you know, financially say, safe. Just don't say it's from Eddie. No, no, don't say it's from me. Uh, Elvis still might hate me for the whole John Bell thing. We'll get back to that later. Uh, the uh, so the movie itself is kind of weird. We'll get into that in one second because it's about how the radio station Z100 WHTZ here in New York City uh, was built and how it became to be. But the funny part is Mitchell Stewart, who is the writer. Director, producer, I think he even did catering for the film. <laughs> uh, literally, you didn't know that Scott Shannon, who was the guy who created Z100, built Z100. Like, you didn't even know that, and then you became the guy to tell the story. How did that happen? Right. Well, the era that Z100 came out in the 80s, I was very happily playing in avant-garde punk bands. So Z100 wasn't any place that I ever thought I, my music would be in. And so I wasn't listening to it. Um, as you know, somewhere around 2003, a great friend of mine, Don McLeod, asked me to come and work with Z100 at a Z100 Jingle Ball. Yes. And it was a little bit after 9-11, and my company had just started, so it wasn't, wasn't exactly the best time to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, you know, the collateral fallout of 9-11 for small businesses was horrific. Um, and it was, we were just managing to get by. And so Don offered me an opportunity to go and work with Z100, and they had a budget of X, which was, $1,000 less than it was going to cost me. And I said, well, I get to go backstage at the garden. What What the hell, right? Nice. So I went. And what I discovered is, you know, this, with all my, you know, punk rock, you know, like, like attitude, I walked into a room expecting a bunch of, you know, top 40 I could give a you-know-what about. And these people, some of which you know, Eddie, yes. just loved music. And, and, you know, if you love music and you're a music person, I mean, people, you could all, you know, sniff them out like real music people. They care. And that's what I was being introduced to when I met, you know, Tom Pullman, Paul Merle, Sharon Daster, Darren Pfeffer. Um, any of these people were real music people. So I said, OK, you know what? Cool. Let me let me see what I can do. And for anyone who has not walked into Madison Square Garden in front of 19,000 screaming teenagers, you know, you realize very quickly that those kids, their reality of their pop stars, you know, is every bit the same as ours. You know, it meant as much to them as what as the clash meant to me, for example. And yeah. so, you know, when they asked me to work with them a little bit more and try to do commercials, it was like, okay, you know, here's what I think. And we all agreed on a path to find. So I started working with Z100. Now, 
Z100, to me, was I walked in the building, they existed. I wasn't paying attention to what happened before then. They were just a station that existed in New York that I didn't particularly pay attention to. No. So go all these, you know, right, and go all these years later, and I get a call um, from Scott Shannon's agent, John McConnell, and he goes, we're trying to find a director to do this film, and your name keeps coming up. I said, okay. He said, would you be interested? And I said, in what? He goes, I, I don't really want to do a Scott Shannon biopic. I don't really have an interest in that. I'm probably not that guy. They said, no, no, no. We want to do a story on the origins of, of Z100. And there's a moment in, in the doc where I'm in Nashville and I'm working with Gavin DeGraw and on, on a TV show. And I also, he was kind enough to agree to do an interview because he kind of bridged the era from Scott to Tom Pullman. And we were interviewing him and I said, well, Scott Shannon started Z100 and you saw the reaction on his face when you saw the movie or the trailer. Yeah. It was every bit as in shock as I was. I was like, get the what? <laughs> Scott Shannon. So it was, um, for documentarian, it was good because I didn't go in with any preconceived idea. You know, it was all something new for me. So I let, as all documentarians do, you don't go in with a preconceived idea. You know, you let the story unfold as you, as you continue the research. And that's what we found. And in fact, um, the first cut was nearly three hours and it included the, the, you know, a bunch of the Elvis years and Tom Pullman years. And, and it was Elvis Duran himself. And as you know, he is about the nicest guy in the world. And he said, this really shouldn't be that movie. He said, and he asked me what I thought the movie should be. And I said, it's the 74 days, worst to first. And Elvis said, that's what you're calling the movie, and that's what we have to do. So that's where we landed on the 74 days, because it represented a story that I think you guys would agree will never happen again. Well, you know, that, with the way media is, and this won't really, happen again, right? And that's the one thing that makes you, even if you're not a big radio head and you're, you know, you, you have no clue what we're talking about. You have to be impressed with the fact that they, they plucked Scott Shannon from Tampa, Florida. They bring him up there. Now, he's this big old redneck, chubby dude, look like Elvis, got a beard, wearing Hawaiian shirts and shorts, sandals sometimes. He's out there just trying to be. He has all these great ideas. He invented the zoo format when it was, at, you know, when it was the Q Zoo and all that. Does all that stuff, and everybody under the sun told everybody else this is not going to work. This is crazy. This right. is stupid. This right. is not going to be which is what happens like I was trying to explain to Joe off air. This is the radio business. I was like, let me speak for the radio business. A lot of the people in the radio business are stupid. <laughs> okay? And they're know-it-alls and they all want to tell everybody what's going to work and what's not going to work and they're not going to even try. And that is why I believe Z100, and that's why in this movie, Worst to First, the true story of Z100 New York, is the true underdog story. And everyone bets on the underdog, and he proved it. Because even when he got there and they built the place around Scott Shannon in Newark, New Jersey, well, actually in Secaucus, New Jersey, where they built it around him and they built, they were still on their thing and they were going and everything, Scott goes live on the air. When they're not doing well, when the ratings are in the quote-unquote shitter, okay, they're in the dumpster. He goes on and explains that they, according to, let me quote Scott, we suck, okay? We're not, <laughs> exactly. at, we're not at the top spot. We're, lower, we're the lowest damn 
channel in here in the station and radio, and we need your help. And in like a rallying cry, he brought them from worst to first. He literally took every single person who was ever listening to Z100 and rallied them together. And like soldiers, they stood together and they told two people and they told two people and they did... The, when he was like, take a sheet hanging out your window, write Z100 on it. Hanging out in Staten Island, in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, wherever you are. Let people know that we exist. He built the station around the fans, which I think is what's missing from radio today. That's the thing that well, gets you. Know, well, you know, you hit a couple of points, and thank you for picking up on what we were, quote-unquote, laying down. Yeah. Um, what ended up appealing to me the most was, um, and the way I grew up, you know, you know, I, we love showing our daughter our bank account from when we got married that had $320 <laughs> in it, you know? Um, and, you know, I drove a cab and I made enough to take my wife out and my girlfriend out for a date. So if I could make $50, I was fine in the cab. And meanwhile, my friend, you know, the whole, you know I've gone through the whole thing. I've had every shitty job that you could ever imagine as mm. anyone who pursues the arts yeah, does and too. anyone who doesn't know anyone. Yeah. And it struck me is, is like, especially now, you know, in, in the hopefully tail end of a global pandemic or maybe not, but it's still there. And when not everyone is getting to do, they think can't do what they really want and dream to do. This is the kind of film that you want to have because Scott did it. You know, people say radio is this, radio is that, music is this, music is that. You know what? Music has always been that way. You need it to, like, get over and put it out. So to me, you know, if I was a kid starting, I, I, would, I, I don't need permission to put my music out. You know, yeah. Scott didn't need permission to be Scott. He just was Scott. And as we all know as New Yorkers, New York is a very funny place. Everyone thinks it's intimidating, it's this, it's that. Okay, it moves faster than any place on the planet, but here's what New York is. It's got a big welcome mat out. You come, and if you bring it, you know, we'll pay attention. Just don't give up, you know, because you're going to be punched in the face 15 times, and it may be 20 times. That's getting on so the subway. That's <laughs> what, right? you got to just keep going, and that's what this movie is. I mean... Everyone told, you know, they literally, the, the number one critic on radio at the time, George Maxine, said, I hope you have a round trip ticket because this hillbilly's going to go back. You know, we're going to kick him out of town. Yeah, well, that, it didn't quite work that way, did it? Yeah, they wanted uh -huh. it. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the know-it-alls and the stupid people that were, you know, oh, this is never going to work. Radio is one way. It can't be any other way. So fuck off. And they got their pitchforks and their torches, and they're all just... <laughs> Screaming and moaning, and I and and much like to use Mitchell Stewart, by the way, the director, writer, and producer, as an example, that punk rock mentality of going out and actually putting a middle finger up to the establishment and say, "Watch right. us, yeah. watch me do this. This right. is what's going to happen. We thrive on adversity. Tell me we can't do it." And guess what? Scott Shannon showed this fat hillbilly from Florida is going to accomplish it, and that's exactly what he did. And it's funny because he's going up against my mentor in this business at that time. Right. Uh, he's going up against right. Jim Kerr, who I love and who's a fan of this show and a friend of this personality sitting here right across from you right now. Uh, this gentleman. And I watch it. And the best part is that he, I, I know that you were trying to get 
this kind of yeah. like the, these these war wound storylines for uh, you know Scott Shannon came in and he was an you know, he just was an asshole and he just totally screwed us over and blah blah. That's not Jim. That's the thing. Jim Kerr is it's in perfect Jim Kerr fashion during this interview. He's not angry and he admits defeat. And not only is Jim Kerr because that's what he does. He's humble, but he's still to this day in awe of what Scott Shannon did during that time period. Because remember, Jim is on, at that point, Power 95.5, which changed formats. For anyone, by the way, who doesn't understand radio ease, that means the radio station started playing different music. It changed from rock to... (laughs) Yeah, to top 40 stuff. And what happened was they weren't doing... And Jim, I think, will probably admit this to this day. They weren't doing what Scott Shannon wanted to do. Scott Shannon, that's why he was like, yo, it's the flamethrower and all that stuff. <laughs> he didn't want, he, he was telling you, he, yeah, we're going to put like, you, like Mitchell just said, it's like punching you in the face 25 times. That's what Z100 was doing. Z100 was like, just going, take the song right in the face. When Jim is like, "Hey, that was uh, Pat Benatar with blah 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 blah," right. and it, and Jim being the heartthrob or Jim being the good looking, you know, tight jean wearing oh, radio no, jock. Eddie, he was the twenty year old whatever heartthrob. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, he was that guy, and and you know, everyone liked him. He's likable, and you're exactly right. Uh, sorry for interrupting, but yeah, yeah. just to to state it. You want it, you know, documentary. You want to show both sides of the story. Okay. I couldn't go to Imus. He's not here, right? Yeah, I I'm couldn't good. go to the gamblings. They're not here. So who's, who's around to speak with, you know, Jim Kerr? And he comes up and comes into our studio and I'm, you know, going to do my best, you know, 185 film festival documentarian. You know, <laughs> I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the dirt, right? I'm going to get the dirt from Jim Kerr. I'll show him. And, yeah, and, and and he is as you know what you would understand best of all in in in, in wrestling speak. Yes, he put over Scott Shannon. Oh, he put it over because because he was in awe, and he he's one of the people that steals the movie because he's just Jim Effing Kerr. Yeah, and he's so real and so authentic. How do you not want to? go hug this guy because he's just a really kind of menschy guy, right? I was literally about to so, say, I want to hug him. He's wearing an avocado button-down t-shirt, uh, <laughs> dress shirt in the thing, and I'm like, I just want to hug him after, like, you hear, yeah, like, he what, like t- what Yeah, what happened during that time yeah. period, Jim? Where did they hurt you, Jim? <laughs> Come on, Jim. <laughs> Tell and, us. And, it, and his hair was longer. He looked like he could have been an R.E.M. also. I thought that was a great look for him. Yeah. Time. Uh, but it was, it, it's incredibly funny because when you watch it, like, the, the the biggest thing that I took away from it, because this actually affected me, bitch, and I got to tell you this story for a minute. One time, uh, back, I want to say, like, this was, shit, I want to say, not in the, it was, like, right about before the 2000s, okay? So I'm not in radio yet. I'm still dumb. You know, I'm, I'm more dumb than I am now, which is very hard to understand. However... <clears throat> because of the groundwork that Scott Shannon left, you know, when he built that, and because of everybody else doing the 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 normal from the top of the Empire State Building, right. I I honestly thought that the studios for Z100 were in the Empire <laughs> State Building. Well, as did a lot of people. Yes, like but like a fucking mook that I am. I plus uh, uh, Filipino Heat. And his brother Edison, 
during a blizzard in New York. <laughs> we're now walking around. We're we're trucking through the through the frozen tundra to literally the Empire State Building and get into the lobby and like a bunch of morons. We sit there and go, excuse us, where is Z100? <laughs> and they're like, New Jersey. <laughs> Not here. Right. You idiots. Well, how about this? How many people back in those days would go to you know Jersey, go to the newer offices, and just presume the radio station wasn't there, just the offices, because they're at the top of the Empire State Building. I mean, it, right. it's just yeah. what... A what a trick of the light! What a magician Scott was to do that, and it imprinted on everyone who's ever heard it for every generation. And you just presume he's there. And when Jim said everyone's up there, I didn't know that either. Because though I've worked, you know, to brand a lot, a lot, a lot of stations, I'm not a radio geek. I'm a music geek, and I'm a storyteller geek. You know, so I don't go where I don't need to go. It's like, wait, everyone's up there, really? Yeah, goddamn Scott Shannon, you pulled it off. You pulled the wool over all of our eyes. But that, and, 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 and that's one it. of the greatest things that Jim does express in the in the documentary uh, "Worst yeah. of First: The True Story of Z100 New York." Is one of the best parts is that he sits there and it, not not only just the line of everybody, does, because it is everyone rents out this this antenna area that's on top of the Empire State Building, so all your favorite radio stations broadcast from the top, top, top of the Empire State right. Building. But the best part, one, is when he's explaining, goes, what Scott Shannon did was not, like, it's how he did it. He didn't lie. Right. We, we, they were broadcasting nope. from the top of the Empire State Building. But everybody was broadcasting from the top of the Empire State Building. So we were, and, was, and, you know, Eddie... Yeah, Eddie, you just made me think of something because you know, obviously, I've had this conversation in the last two weeks about thirty-five times. Yes, but what was you saying? It something just popped in my head. I'm throwing it to you, so let me reverse it, and I'll be the interviewer. Okay, sir. Don't you think? Let me rephrase. Would it have been possible for Scott to be so impressed to be broadcasting from the top of the Empire State Building if he actually was from New York and it's in his backyard? Yeah, I mean. Per, perhaps he was blown away by the fact that he was broadcasting from the top of the Empire State Building and wanted to tell everyone back home in Tampa that he was doing it. What do you think about that? Well, I think uh, one of two things. I believe that if he was... If, the best part in the documentary, too, is another... I keep saying the best part, because this whole documentary to me is outstanding, by the way. To watch... Thank if you, brother. You're, I appreciate it, it. It, it. Literally, I sat there. The time just goes by. You don't even know how long... It's not... It's a very quick watch, because you're like, whoa, this is great. I'm learning so much. But the be- one of the best parts is when they're flying in. Uh, <laughs> Scott <laughs> Shannon's wife yeah. is... Exp- you know, they're flying in, and he and he sees... You know, from the window, he sees what he goes. He goes, you see that, honey? That's New York City. And I'm going to broadcast. I'm going to get a mic and talk to all those people. He was flying into Newark. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, you here, here's, uh, here's an inside baseball moment for you. Yeah. You know, when that came up, right, in the story, and she said, you're not really going to put that in, right? I said, oh, yeah, we're putting no, totally that in. <laughs> that, that, that's not coming out. Because that's the essence of who Scott was. He he was, you know, for, from, you know, you can't judge a book by the cover, right? Yeah. So something in common for both of us, right? Absolutely. So, and, and here he is, call him a hillbilly, and maybe he, you know, maybe he was. Doesn't mean he's 
not a really smart hillbilly. Oh, we totally. <laughs> you know, and think of it. And, you know, so there's, there's how that worked. And, you know, I really appreciate you caring for the film. You know, it's, it's yeah. not just, you know, hopefully it's not just for, you know, radio geeks. It's for, like, anyone who's ever tried to do yeah. something. Well, no, if you're, and, if you're a music fan, oh, you're yeah. going to love it because it has a lot of, like, Debbie Gibson's in mm-hmm. it. You get to hear the story of how Madonna pretty much came there yeah, and no, hoard, that's what I wanted to talk yeah about. and hoard yeah. herself out every damn every Tuesday <laughs> yeah well, she just came there going hey, right. you're gonna play my song that's <laughs> how it used to be they yeah. would sit outside all the studios and like hey hey can you play this but play see this. that's but that's the point like you don't need you know? to be a radio head to enjoy that because uh-huh. Ricky is Ricky is new to radio technically right right because mm-hmm. Ricky did you know it was mm-hmm. serious exam and everything but he's new to radio and he thoroughly enjoyed it because of the music aspect well, thank you Ricky. yeah, yeah. Taylor yeah. Dane mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate Appreciated Taylor Dane because I was such a big fan of hers. Plus, she just thought she was hot in that jumpsuit. Oh, she damn sure was. Wow. She yeah, well, today. Okay. She looked great. Okay. Mm. Taylor Dane is just... Think about Taylor Dane. Uh-huh. Right? We're think thinking about, about her. Well, you think about her, right? But think about <laughs> who she is. No one cares. She's out in the clubs in the 80s, running around, bashing her head, trying to get noticed. Mm-hmm. Won't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Joan Jett was told no more than anybody. I mean, what people don't know that don't know the history of Joan Jett is she couldn't get arrested after the black, after, 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 um, the runaways, after the, the first band, your runaways. Right. Mm-hmm. So she and Kenny Laguna literally are selling vinyl from the back of Kenny's car after each gig. Right. She's not taking no for an answer. Debbie Gibson is not taking no for an answer. Um, <laughs> now Rogers, good luck. He crossed, over and he makes the point that crossover and again the punk in me is like what crossover i'm selling out no 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 crossover means you're getting to your music to people that wouldn't have heard it before and yeah. i'm like damn this guy's got it. but what's the common denominator john bon jovi is sweeping up in a in a in his in his uncle slash cousin's Recording studio right. can't get a deal. Gets on a radio deal at WAPP. Um, they pick it up. Then Scott picks it up, and it becomes this. The common denominator for everyone there is they didn't give up. Yeah. And 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 the the state of the music industry now, which everyone's always pissing on it, right? Okay, you don't need permission. You know. Go record, put it out, do your thing. You'll find, play a club when when you can do it. If you can't play a club, put your iPhone up or whatever kind of phone you got and do a concert. Get it out. That's yep. what I hope people pick up on this. It's like, it's never been worse. It's never been better. It's always the same, right? It's always, yeah. you gotta bash your head against mm-hmm. the wall until the wall moves. Well, that's and it, but and that's, the, that's just the gig. It but, might be but, a little crazy after, yeah. but hey, you're in. But that's the yeah. thing, Mitchell is the same. It's the same right. thing that we can say about you. If you were, if you literally just stuck with doing just the punk music, if you stuck with just being in the cab, if you just, you know only making three hundred and twenty something dollars, if you if you stuck with only doing that, then you wouldn't have done uh, seven jingle balls. You wouldn't have done, right. but you would never walk backstage at Madison Square Garden. You're, you're, you never would have partnered up with Paul Heyman and had that, you know, looking for Larry, that company. All these things wouldn't happen because, by the way, like you just pointed out before, if people judge a book by its cover, you know what I mean? Guys like us aren't supposed to make it at all. 
Guys like us, because the establishment wants to tell you, no, we're only going to do it one way. We're going to have this cookie-cutter format. This is what we're going to do, and that's what's going to happen. And this is bum, bum, bum. And even guys like Scott Shannon. Scott Shannon's not supposed to make it. He's supposed, if you, right. if you by everybody's estimations, he's supposed to be a giant failure. That's what it's supposed to happen. Right. He's supposed to just be, you know, bend over and kiss your ass goodbye and hope go back to Tampa because that's what's going to happen. That's right. what is looked at about people. But when people, when the underdog pushes past, when the underdog make that's that's the thing like that gets you about this movie. When the underdog, be it Madonna, yeah. who showed up every Tuesday, be it Debbie Gibson, which, by the way, right. she looks amazing. Uh, Debbie Gibson. She looks amazing. She looks she amazing, the too. nicest human, yeah. Taylor Dane. Right, the nicest Taylor human. Taylor Dane look amazing. <laughs> she looks amazing, too. Um, all these people that go out... And in the game, in that in that movie, they go out and they and they, and they show you that they busted their ass, they busted their ass, they never gave up. And then when the underdog becomes the top dog, that is truly an accomplishment that needs to be documented. And that is right. what this movie does. It documents the fact that all these people, not just Scott Shannon, everybody. Everybody and how Z100 works. became, yeah, they were groundbreakers. They were game changers. Those those are the people that we gravitate towards. I like the fact that Tony right. Orlando and, and stepped if, in. Yeah. Tony if, Orlando if was a big at, yeah. Tony Orlando is like, but if you look at, and, you know, from my other work, I had gotten to um, work with John Bon Jovi, usually with a guitar strap over his shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. And when he came in to do the interview, it's, 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 because I'm used to that John Bon Jovi. Yeah. And I did the interview, and we're editing the interview, and my wife, who's the reason I could do anything, because we have <laughs> Enid Stewart, shout out. Um, she, <laughs> we flipped the coin when we graduated. We, we flipped the coin when we graduated from college. She lost, so she had to go to school. But, you know, but, but, of course, yeah, so I didn't. But, um, but that's the story into itself. But when John, you know, and, and it's it's, my trick, you know, I don't want to ask the obvious question. You know, I'm going to do insane research, even if it's a five minute interview, because sometimes that turns into like my experience with Motley Crue that won an Emmy. It's like they give you five minutes, make make them stay for seven, right? Yeah. But when John, you know, make it interesting for them. But John came in that day, and you see, you see, there was such a connection because we were talking about not the music business. But his love of music, and at at his point, he was introduced to music from the radio. Yeah, so right. I wanted it to be about radio as the conduit, because radio. What's a radio now? I'm talking to you now on my phone. You know, radio is is radio has evolved. Maybe everyone doesn't like the homogenization of big stations, and believe me, I understand that completely. Because going back to the punk in me, I throw a rocket yep. station, right? <laughs> However, there's so many stations. You, I like African music. I can find my African station. So just go. You're on Sirius now. Yeah. You could go anywhere on there, right? So it's like mm -hmm. if you don't see the obstacle, it's the best of times because you'll find someone to listen to you. Yeah, Put it on YouTube, own. right? You'll, you'll find your place. And if, if it's if – it's, if whatever that niche is, let's say you have a 1,000 fans. Well, there's a value to those 1,000 fans if you know what you're doing. And there's a value to someone who will endorse you to get to those thousand diehard fans. So it's all, and that's what Joan Jett selling records from the back, you know, with Kenny Laguna from the back of the car. 
Back ten people home. bought. Maybe one person bought. Then ten. Maybe a hundred. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, we want you. But Kenny could say to them, well, you don't own me. You could call me partner. <laughs> you know, and that's that's what happens when to to allude to what you're saying before. If you can get in the room and they we welcome you in the room, right? When they welcome you into the room, then that's as sweet as it gets. Yeah, absolutely. Because then not only, and you and I touched upon that before, you're not there because you've been through so much shit. You're not just there about you. You're there to elevate everybody. And if you mm-hmm. elevate any everybody, then you've won. Right. You well, know, that, you've won. That's why one of right? the... Does that uh, make sense? It totally right. makes sense because that's what... Yeah, yeah, Billy. What when you? I used to wrestle, like, yeah. that that's what it was. Like, everybody... You're there to work with the other person and put them each, over. You know, yeah. each person over right. to the best of the ability. It's not all about, like, oh, me, I'm I'm the superstar. You know, some guys needed to learn that lesson, but, yeah, you know how that Well, they learned it the hardware, yeah. And, and but, some of them have moved on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and people don't understand that about... Wrestling is such an art, and it's such a dance, and it's it's the world's best stunt people slash performers working without any safety net right. and live, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 they'll never get the respect for that that they should, uh, and but but you know you can elevate that storytelling, and that's why someone like. Uh, it's just my opinion. I don't know him. That's why John Cena could go on Peacemaker right. and trust James Gunn to j- trust him so much and have that trust in him as a creator that he'll just go for it the way that Batista did. How good and is how good is look Peacemaker? how amazing he is? By the way, oh, don't even get me started. Uh, how That's how right. effing That's, great it's, is Peacemaker? Oh, it's fucking amazing. Uh, I mean, it's the only opening on any television series that you don't skip. I no. mean, come on. It's the, right? I, mean, I watch it every time. Stand, yeah. And it's brilliant. Yeah. It is this generation's, if you go back to the golden age of television, to me, it's the, this generation's um, get smart. It is just so smart. It's irreverent. It's, it's, it's well written. It's Mel Brooks. You yeah. Know, yeah, exactly. You know, it's great. Oh, it's outstanding. Now, uh, right, I know we have to get, we got to finish up with you, but the, the, here's one thing I want to ask you because I do relish your opinion. Because I am on vacation, and uh, remember, my wife is a lawyer. Oh so, yes. Enid, if you're if you're listening to this, uh, I'll be off soon, and I'll give you Eddie's email if you need to speak to him. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm she, she is. She is a badass samurai. So I'll tell you that now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> She's a gunslinger. I'm more. I'm more afraid of your wife than I am even Paul Heyman. So let's just work. <laughs> well, I would, and and Paul would tell you your 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 judgment is clearly perfect. Okay. <laughs> You're accurate, sir. Uh, one last thing yes. I do want to ask because it, radio back then, much like it is today, uh, a lot of it is was it's it's boring. Before Scott Shannon does its stuff, you know they, they do go into the whole thing. It's uninspired. And there's actually a quote in the movie, which I, you know, I put up on my Facebook. I know you saw it because you liked it. Uh, uh, yeah, yep. P.T. Barnum said it best. Quote, no, no one ever made a difference by being like everyone else. Right. So what's your view of radio right. nowadays? If you can actually give your opinion about radio that's out there nowadays, what is your viewpoint on that? And is there another chance for another Scott Shannon type takeover? 
<clears throat> the ham radio show. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. here's the point. And it's what we were talking about. Everyone that's going to say no, f you. Yes. Basically. Thank you, you know? Rachel. You know, everyone's because because here's the deal. You know, you have serious. You have this. You have multiple options for as long as you expand your definition. Except the fact that radio has evolved. You may not like that evolution because you're stuck in the past. It's like people at record companies, you know, right. in the '90s, where you know, kept selling those CDs as long as they could. They missed the point. <laughs> It'll happen. You know, don't hang on to it, man. Mitchell, raise technology. So we can't. Sorry. No, we thought we lost you for a second. It kind of went. Boop. I, oh, think, I, I, I think your samurai yeah. wife cut the line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she just has to give me a look. Um, and then, you know, I do Muay. I do Muay Thai. She does like you know folk and mind. You know, folk and mind tricks. Far more powerful. But it looks, long story short, radio has evolved. You may like not like it. Not used personally, but people may not like it because it doesn't remind them of what was. It's not supposed to, right? right? It would be dead if it was still doing terrestrial radio. So. Just go out there, see what the stations are, you know, go, go figure it out, you know, make your own station, do a podcast, play music on it. Guess what that is? What's a podcast? Podcast is radio, right? Mm. It's audio. What's radio? It's audio. And, and now it's audio and video, right? You so just correct. like anyone who said, anyone who says you can't do it. Well, you know what? This generation's, you know, Howard Stern is figuring it out. He's not going to sound, or she won't, sound like Howard Stern. They're going to sound like Howard Stern should sound if he was starting. And that person will start a revolution. Do I believe that? A hundred percent. It's so nice for you to say that about us. <laughs> it's, it's humbling, quite frankly. You know, that's, that, that's the reality. Same thing about music. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it, everything happens, you know, how it happens is not like it happened before, because no. that's bull, right? But it happens the way it's supposed to happen now. And you just have to continue to manage your expectations, because looking back is not something I ever do. You know, it's like, what's the point? You know, like, like history repeats itself, but, you know, if you do it right, learn the strategies, but adapt them, and right. then you keep going. You look it, back, that's the gig. You look you back, back, you see where they went wrong, and you're like, all right. Here's where you learn from we, it. we yeah. gotta look for when a situation changes on us to right. move past and, it. You know. Hmm, Billy became Confucius. But, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I've changed I'm sorry, I've probably ruined your show because people are probably listening now to the Buddhist Eddie show. <laughs> <laughs> well Billy does have a goat like type thing going on with his beard. So. I try. I know. <laughs> um the movie is called Worst of First, the true story of Z one hundred New York. You can get it wherever you can download, rent, buy, whatever. I watched it on Amazon Prime. You figure it out for yourself. Find out where you can watch it, even if you're a radio head, if you're a music person, mm -hmm. if you just want to see Jim Curran in an avocado button-down shirt, if you want to see Scott <laughs> Shannon old and new and back and forth, you can see it all. It doesn't matter. There's something in it for everybody. There's something in it for everyone. Plus, for the fans of Ricky, Taylor Dane in a jumpsuit. <laughs> what more do you need? Folks, that was the highlight. <laughs> that was the highlight. <laughs> and, and, and Eddie, let me ask everyone that's listening to this, and let me ask you guys. Yes, sir. You know, one one favor, and I don't ask you to say you like it if you didn't like it. Um, but go on, 
Rotten Tomatoes, because this is the voice of the people to me, and I want to hear people's opinions of the film. Rate the movie. Give it a review on Rotten Tomatoes, on Amazon, or IMDb. Do all three. It matters, because I am looking at that to see how I could learn from audiences' opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. don't give it a... Don't give it a 10. Right now we're at 100% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is remarkable. But don't give it a 100 if you don't think it deserves a 100. But give it a 100 if you think it does. Or, or whatever rating you feel it deserves, give it and also give comments. Because I'm definitely looking because, you know, it's, it's all learning experience. And there's, mm. there's, there's no bad news. It's just news. I'm, no. I'm going to give it a 90 for the movie, 10% for Taylor Dane in the jumpsuit. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm also going to damn sure. She need sure, more than 10%. Well, she can only, I can only give her 10%. She and looks like a lot of women. Is you know there a way you can hook us up with Taylor Dane? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm trying to see Taylor Dane. You just want to do other things. Yeah. I understand she's single. Yeah. Well, right, she's guys, single. Thank you so much for the time. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, um, uh, I'll make it a point to hook up when we are, have the next thing coming out that we should talk about it with the player. Thank you, Mitchell. 